This is the Music Vibes Podcast, sponsored by Neat 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 Records and Music, located at 1836 South Calhoun Street in downtown Fort Wayne. Neat 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 stocks LPs and CDs across all genres and is an authorized dealer of Ortofone, Audio Technica, Emotiva, Wharfdale, Project, and more. Please visit Neat 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 Records.com for more information. This is the Music Vibes Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. Currently in the top 10 here on podcast here at FedMed, so that's something to celebrate. Make sure you guys subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are available. Make us one of your favorites by subscribing to keep up to date to this podcast. Very excited for this week for more reasons than one. I couldn't be happier. There's so much to celebrate today, and I have to start off. The show is a little bit different today. I'm not behind the boards, pressing the buttons. I'm not recording right now. We have a brand new producer for the Music Vibes podcast. Very excited to announce. I brought in an official producer for the show. Someone that I've went to high school with. I played baseball with him. Um, You know, grew up watching him grow up. I'm a little bit older than him, but I watched him grow up as a man. He has a family. He's a big music fan. It made, it made a lot of sense. He used to write this. I, you know, really got close to him. He used to write. We had a music website called latestmusicvibes.net, and I was looking for people to help write and contribute some music articles, and I reached out to this guy and asked him, hey, you know, you have any interest in writing a little music? He's like, sure, man, I'd love to do it. So he wrote for me for a little bit for free. That, that's, the, that's the big thing. It's like he, he loves music so much, he was like, dude, I just want to do it. I don't care. You know, and that's something I always admired and it never left my mind. And I'm looking, I've been looking for a producer for a while because that, I feel like that makes podcasts better. You know, I, I love, obviously I enjoyed my time as the only voice that's on here, but it's always good to have more than one. So the new official producer for the Music Vice podcast, I bring in producer Cleveland. What up, man? Uh, yeah, I just want to thank you for bringing me on, giving me this opportunity. <laughs> and um, how's that know. intro for you? I, I loved it. I loved it. Especially part where, you know, the old guy brings in the young kid and, you know, <laughs> we're like a couple feel, years apart. Not I know. Bad. I feel, I feel old though, man. I have to say, I feel, especially the music we talk about on here. And that's something I share with you, you know, the passion of, you know, the classic music, some of the older. So to kind of introduce you, everyone by this time, at least if you're a avid listener of this podcast, you listen to past episodes, you know, my taste on music, but in, in case you don't know, my new producer, Cleveland, is his name. So what are your, some of your favorite interests? What are what are some music you enjoy? If I was to tell you, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but that's what mm. we do on this podcast, oh, right? Yeah. right? We put each other, we, I put people on the spot, even when I'm interviewing them. So now you as the official producer, it's going to be a lot of this. So I'm warning you. I'm ready for it. So give me top five favorite artists to start top off. Top five favorite artists. or artists. bands. Artists, bands. Well, my number... Number one, right off the top of my head, Jackson Five. Okay. Top favorite. Top okay. favorite. Not not solo, Michael. Jackson not solo. Five. Okay. Jackson Five. Jackson Five. And I know he, um, Michael Jackson did solo stuff as a kid. Those are also acceptable. Yeah. Um, whew. um, yeah, you got one. I, you know, Jackson I go. Five. I like Jim Croce a lot as well. Ooh. Yeah, I like some singer songwriter. Okay. Little John Denver as well. 
Um, I can go even farther back than that. I really enjoy doo-wop. Really? So yes, like straight up. Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers? Yes. yes. Yeah. Dion and the Belmonts. I like okay. Cadillacs. I mean, oh, okay. it's, it's wonderful. And then, what was that, three? Yeah. Um, a little, I can get a little earlier. I like I like Guns N' Roses. This okay. Is, this is solid. Love okay. it. Love it. Okay. And, then, and then, as well as Nirvana. Nirvana. So, Guns N' Roses, Nirvana, Jackson 5, John Denver, and... Uh, Jim Croce. Jim Croce. And then just doo-wop in general. And then just doo-wop in general. <laughs> I love it, man. The reason we're doing this podcast this week and, you know, kind of kind of what we're doing other than, you know, introducing you to this podcast is we're going to be joined by the Stone City Band. And if you don't know who the Stone City Band is, they were Rick James's band throughout his music career. And if you guys have listened to this podcast before, you know where Rick James ranks. On my all-time list, you know he's top 10. That's why I'm really excited this week. I got a new producer, and we're going to be interviewing the Stone City Band, talking about, kind of reflecting on Rick James. Unfortunately, um, a week ago was the passing of, it was the anniversary of the passing of Rick James. Um, And I still, you know, I've been seeing all the posts, you know, talking about Rick James, and that's kind of what wanted me to do this podcast. So when I told you that I wanted to do this podcast on Rick James, and we got the Stone City Band to interview, so producer Cleveland, when I told when I told you that I wanted to talk about this and mention Rick James, what was the first what's the <laughs> what's the first thing? And you're you're laughing already, oh, so yeah. I know where this is going. <laughs> what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say Rick James? Dave Chappelle, easily. The Dave, Dave Chappelle, Chappelle skits? I'm, yeah, I'm a young guy, remember. So the first oh, thing my. I thought was Dave Chappelle. Oh, my. So you come in here, you introduce <laughs> that some of your favorite music is doo-wop and John Denver. And then <laughs> I say Rick James. And the first thing that comes to your head is the Chappelle show. Unfortunately. Wow. This is going to be, here. this is a great start. Yep. You need to change This has ways. to be. <laughs> this is this is a great start. This is going to be a great duo. Uh, we're talking Rick James and my producer. The first thing that comes to his mind is the Dave Chappelle skits of not the I mean, Rick James is in it, but all right. So I'm going to have to adapt to this. So, yeah, so Rick James, basically, and I've interviewed a lot of funk bands on here before. I had Tower of Power where I did the most underrated funk bands of all time. Just, I mean, Rick James is basically just, I mean, he's a singer-songwriter. You said you like singer-songwriters. Rick James right. does write the music, so mm-hmm. writes all the lyrics. But born and raised in Buffalo, New York. Um, and in my eyes, the greatest funk artist of all time. When I think funk, it's Rick James, George Clinton. Easily. First two names that come to mind. You could throw in Bootsy Collins. Uh, you could throw in Prince. You know, those are the names that come to mind. But in my opinion, Rick James is at the top. So here in 2019, 15 years later, Still going to hear reflect on Rick James's career with the Stone City Band and the Stone City Band still to this day still making music. So I'm very excited for this week. So you don't know. Obviously, so do you know any music by Rick James it's, or do you just know his top hits? His top hits. So, you know, I imagine, you know, Super Freak. Of course. Of course. OK. My mom wouldn't approve, but. OK. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, Mary Jane. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, assuming your age. Mm-hmm. So you probably know that from the Friday movie. Yeah. Is that where you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great start. Oh. So <laughs> this is what this is what I needed. All right. So, you know, Mary Jane from the Friday movie um, with Chris Tucker and Ice Cube. So, you know, give it to me. Give it to oh, me, yeah. baby. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you know that from a movie as well? Or do you uh, just know not, the song? Not the top of my head, but okay. yeah, probably, you know, walking 
in a gas station and song. <laughs> you know, enjoy it. It wasn't a movie. I, I want to say uh, She's All That, I want to say. I want to say it was She's All That. It was like a 90s... Chick flick? Yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah. Kind of one of those. Um, I think it was in there. So, yeah, Rick James is everywhere. You can't escape it. Um, my personal favorite, though, and I'm going to do... So, basically, what we're going to do, before we introduce the Stone City Band, are you excited yeah. to learn a little bit oh, about... Yeah. I mean, this is, this is kind of huge, man. I'm pretty... You know, I'm trying. I'm trying to hide the emotion, but this is uh, this is definitely up there in terms of interviews on this podcast. This is instantly, and we haven't done it yet, so I'm probably you know speaking a little early here. But I mean, this is obviously going to go right to the top for me in terms of personal favorites and in terms of meaning um, and emotion behind it because I've grown up on Rick James my entire life. I have records at home. Matter of fact, after we get done recording this, I'm probably going to go home and listening and listen to the debut album. Come get it. So to kind of go through the history of Rick James and kind of the discography, um, everything got started in 1978 when he released the debut album, Come Get It with the Stone City Band. And on that album features my favorite song by Rick James ever. Um, that would be You and I, the song that introed this podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, it also had the famous song that producer Cleveland uh, recognizes from the Friday movie. Um, that would be Mary Jane. There. on the debut album what better way to come in than an album with you and i and mary jane right off the bat 1978 and then he comes back in 1979 busting out of l7 i actually have this record as well i think i have all these records i might be a bigger fan than i thought i was another fantastic album this one includes and in case you guys have seen the movie super bad you might remember this song from it song would be called busting out um and that album as i said was released in 1979 so rick james was getting all started and then 1979 this is not one of my personal favorites but this is a lot of people's favorites and this was on the label gordy fire it up he released fire it up in late 1979 um was actually released in october of 1979 and this one had obviously the song fire it up which was another big song by rick james so that was released in 79 and then 1980 he had garden of love my absolute favorite album by Rick James ever. And this is Street Songs, which was one of the first records. As I mentioned on here, I'm a vinyl collector, so I have a lot of records, record collections starting to get up here. And Street Songs was one of the first records I got. I think it, I think it was the fifth record that I purchased. And this is my favorite Rick James album. This includes Give It To Me Baby.
Super Freak. Ghetto Life and the fantastic, one of my favorite duet songs ever. Ever. Yes, duet songs. Don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. Duet songs. Fire and Desire, along with Tina Marie, who's obviously Rick James's lover forever. So, yeah, love that duo. Street Songs, my favorite album by Rick James was released in 1981. But things, um, you had Throwing Down in 1982, Cold Blooded. You remember that from the skit, don't you? Dave Chappelle skit, Cold Blooded. You don't remember Cold Blooded? Okay. Just checking. Give, give me that look. This is why I got a producer now. I love it. I get weird looks. I get weird looks. When I, and yeah, Cold Blooded, 1983. Also released on Gordy Records. Um, Obviously features Cold Blooded. And then Ebony Eyes, which has been redone so many times. Uh, 1983. And then you had Glow in 1985. The Flag in 1986. Wonderful in 1988. Kicking. 1989 urban rhapsody and 97 so without further ado let's go ahead and welcome our guest kind of dig into this discography kind of reflect back on recording some of these songs working with rick james reflect on his career working with prince amongst many other things one of the funk legends rick james we have his band the stone city band joining us right here on the podcast Yes, this is Glennis Hughes. Hey, He's speaking to the drummer. Hey, there we go. That's that's the way to make my day better. What is going on? Hey, hey. <laughs> hanging in there. I'm um, sorry, I couldn't get the whole crew. That's all right. It's okay. It's no worries. It's <laughs> all right. I got you. You're still you're still part of the band. You're the you're the man. So, uh, no worries. Yeah. I'm glad to have you. So, basically, to start off, and you gave me some homework. I know you called, and I kind of told the story at the beginning of the show. Um, uh-huh. You gave me you gave me a nice homework assignment when you called me, and you told me to watch the Tales from the Tour Bus, which yeah. is produced by the one and only Mike Judge, who also produced the show Beavis and Butthead. Now, I got to be real that show that show that you guys put on there, uh, part uh-huh. one and two absolutely hilarious i loved you guys on there and i love the way um so like was this something that was like in the pipeline for a while how did everything work to get on this tales from the tour bus oh we got a phone call from a young lady that used to work with us uh, jackie reinhardt she mm-hmm. was in the tales from the tour bus also uh she was the merchandise girl mm-hmm um, she had gave us a call and said she knew of someone who wanted to do uh, a that series, and that's how we got in touch with them. She gave us some numbers, we made some calls, and we connected. And the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. I told if anyone hasn't seen it yet, I got it off Amazon. I just bought the two episodes. Now there are, there's also other episodes on there too that I also have to yeah. purchase. I seen one on Bootsy, uh, George Clinton, who's also been on this show. So there's a couple on there for you guys um, to check okay. out. So yeah, absolutely. Tales from the tour bus. You guys search it and check it out. So I'm bringing you on here today. Uh, we're going to start off kind of reflecting on my per- one of my personal favorite musicians of all time, and obviously you guys played a big part in that. 
that. Now, Rick James ranks in my top 10 of all time favorite musicians, and you guys are a big reason for that. So I kind of wanted to reflect on the legendary Rick James and his legacy here in the music industry. I just don't want people to forget how much he meant to the music industry, not only just funk, but music in general. I mean, his songs have been sampled numerous amount of times throughout generations. Uh, His his songs have been in movies. So I just kind of want to reflect. So how did everything get started? I know you guys talked a little bit about it in Tales from the Tour Bus, you know, kind of in a humorous way. But like, let's be let's let's go back to the early days for you and the other guys in Stone City Band. How did you guys come into connection with the one and only Rick James and kind of connect with this first album? Okay, well, uh, our first connection with Rick was through Levi Ruffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, me and Levi had a band called The Cause out of Buffalo, New York. It was like one of the top five bands in the western New York area mm-hmm. who was working regularly. And uh, him and Rick grew up together. So when Rick decided to come back to Buffalo from Toronto, they connected, and Rick was saying, you know, he needed a, a band. So Levi said, you know, gave some names and said, how about these fellas, you know, and I was one of the names that he called because I was his drummer at the time. And his wife, him and his wife were the first ones to be hired for the band. Mm. And then I came along, and then we got Oscar Austin, and we had another guitar player named Alan Samansky Mm. out of uh, Lackawanna, New York. And a guy named Abdul Ramadan, he was on keyboards. Hmm. So we formed a little group, and Rick took us in the studio. We did a demo for a new artist on the Motown label, hmm. Tina Marie. Yeah. And we did four songs for her as a demo. They took it back to Motown, and Barry Gordy heard it, and he loved it. And he told Rick, hey, and these are the guys that's in your band. That's that's your band right there. <laughs> so Rick gave us a phone call from California and said, hey, if we want the job, it's ours. And that was the start of the Stone City Band off of Tina Marie's first album. That's our first recording that we did and busting out of L7. Yeah. That was the first band's recording. Oh, man. Yeah, it's... uh. Yeah. I uh, I don't know if you were friends on Facebook, but I actually just posted that yesterday. I uh, I, I gave that uh, vinyl a nice spin here before I got you guys on. So, uh, um, yeah, busting out of the L7 back in 1979. Um, I actually wanted to go back a little bit before that. So, the Come Get It album. So you you guys you guys were on that, right? No, that was a collaboration ah. of local musicians. Oh. It's a group of guys that went in the studio to do demo work for okay. Rick. You know, because he was trying to sell his songs to a label to shop, you know. Okay. And they were just um, some regular Buffalo musicians in town that he put in the studio. Mm. So he shopped his demo, and he got a deal with Motown, and he had to go back in to finish the second half. And he regrouped and got some more musicians in it, some more another set of uh, top 40 musicians got together and they recorded the second al- second side of the album, Come Get It. Okay. So at that time, uh, he didn't have a band, mm. you know, and the record just blew up. That's crazy. So he needed a band at that time. Barry Gordy wanted to give him a band yeah. already, and he said no. He turned it down. He said he wanted his own band. 
and he came home to Buffalo, and he gathered us up. And luckily he did, because you guys came out with Bustin' Out of the L7. One of my, I mean, I, I like, so my personal favorite is actually Street Songs, but Bustin' Out of the L7 is definitely right there, really close, yeah. and that's why I have that on vinyl. So just kind of talk about, so you guys are formed, you guys are joint, uh, you guys are joining Rick James to produce this album, Bustin' Out of the L7. So how, how was that? You know, how was that transition? I've heard some great stories about working with Rick James. So how was that for you personally, working with the one and only Rick James on this first album? Uh, that was a great feeling. Uh, from the very beginning, Rick had told me, he said, you know, I'm not going to promise you a million dollars, you know. He said, but I will promise you a gold record, you know. So when well, we got in the studio and we recorded, out of all of that, luck have it, I got more than a gold record. I got a platinum, <laughs> which was over a million seller. <laughs> That was the highlight of my whole career, you know, from the beginning, starting there, because I was just used to playing top 40 clubs, mm -hmm. you know, and then I got to record, and my very first recording wind up being a platinum album. <laughs> and so that just blew me away right there. <laughs> we recorded Busting Out yeah. in New York City at Signal Sound. Okay. And just working with Rick in the studio, it was, it was, uh, a thrill, you know, it was excitement going on at all times. We had ups and downs, you know, we recorded a couple of songs over, you know, because we laid them down and then he listened to them for a minute and then he said, I think we could do better. So we went in, recorded again, <laughs> you know, and he still wasn't satisfied. We went back in and recorded it and then he was happy. He kept playing it over and over. Anytime somebody would drop by the studio, he was stop every day and play the songs over again, you know, and it was just a great experience every time he would play it and the um, acceptance of everybody, they couldn't believe, you know, that was really happening. They told him he was going to have another hit, like the first album. And sure enough, it was. Is that is that something that you know, kind of introduce introducing yourself to Rick James? Is that something that he always knew was going to happen? Because I imagine I, I know you guys talked a little bit about it um, on the Tales from the Tour bus. Just like Rick James knew that you guys were going to reach this point and reach, you know, getting platinum records and gold records. He knew that you you guys had the talent to do so. Um, but you know, how long was this process? You know, kind of talked about for you guys. Did you guys know exactly what you guys were making in the studio? Because like my generation looks back on this, and it, this is like masterpiece like did you guys you guys are in the studio did you guys know instantly as soon as you're making like when you're recording busting out like that's my number one song by rick james so like when you guys are recording this did you know like this is going to be ridiculous this is going to be played for generations to come no we had no, no thought of that <laughs> you know we just knew it was a, a good funky song it was danceable you know and, and you could learn the words real quick it was quick and easy. Plus, it was about, you know, his life experiences, mm -hmm. you know, his acceptance in the music industry. You know, he wanted to give back. And, you know, he wanted that Buffalo sound. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what it was, that Buffalo sound. And it, it was funky. And we knew we had, you know, an inkling that it was going to be a hit. Mm -hmm. But we didn't know how big of a hit it was going to be. Yeah. You know, and 
it just built from there. You know, all the tunes. It was a uh, a particular song, "Spacey Love," on that album. Yes, that was dedicated to Patti LaBelle and the group LaBelle. Oh wow! You know, because they were both our all-time favorite female, you know, group. Yeah, and he dedicated that song to them. And as we was recording that song, I was crying, oh, you wow. know, because, you know, I felt the tune. Mm-hmm. And Rick even said, he said, the way I laid that drum track down on that song, he said, I was really into it. He didn't know that I really, really was into it, you know, because that was my favorite female group. You know, so I put my all in all into that song. And it came out on the recording. Yeah, absolutely. All the way throughout. And yeah, I'm I'm glad. And that's a little a little while ago, just kind of even getting into this when we first started talking about busting out of L7. I'm not going to lie. I started already. We were like three minutes in the interview and I was already kind of eyes were getting a little watery. So I'm not I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, But yeah, something something else I wanted to bring up. Um, something that's unheard of, especially in today's music, you guys, not, not only in 1979, did you have busting out the L seven, you came right back in the same year with fire it up. Now, another one, yeah. I ha- another one I have. So the quick turnover where you guys just like, you know what, we got to keep busting these out. We just got to bust these out because you guys had two great albums in the same year. So how was that transition for you guys going from busting out the L seven straight into fire it up? Well, we went right in. The studio right after the end of that tour, we had like a couple weeks off, and then we went right back into rehearsing. We rehearsed for about a month, and we went into the studio. That transaction went to California. We went to the record plant in Sausalito Mm -hmm. to do that album. And Rick had, you know, a vision, you know, about having more rock involved in this next album. And that's where it fired up came. And Love Gun, that was our tribute to Kiss, you know, because he yeah. was a big fan of Kiss, you know, everything <laughs> they did. And Fire It Up was our tribute to them. And Fire It Up was Rick's intro. He wanted a a thumping intro to use, like, you know, have the opening to come back out because, you know, he wanted to make a statement. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It was Fire It Up. You know, by the, the music, the sound, everything, and his favorite pastime, <laughs> the almighty joint. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and that's something I admire about him as well, not about firing up the joint, but like um, <laughs> about, you know, the, the fact that he wanted to kind of, you know, because obviously we already knew him at that point as pretty much, I wouldn't want I wouldn't say one of the forefathers of funk, but kind of at the same, right. I mean, you know, that, that's what he was known for at the beginning. And then he really, you know, changed over to the rock side a little bit more with that. And you guys talked about all the the explosions and stuff in the Tales from the Tour bus that he used. Yeah. Um, he wanted he wanted to make a splash, like you guys said, um, with the live performance um, and came back with Fire It Up. So we go we move a little bit ahead. So when did um, Street Songs, which is my personal um, well, that was released in 1981. Like, as I mentioned earlier, my personal favorite album, uh, just hits yeah. all the way through. I mean, take your pick. You got the, the, the duet with Tina, the fantastic Tina Marie. You got Super Freak, probably his biggest hit today. Give it to me, baby. Yeah. I mean, 
So take me in the studio with you guys. I wasn't alive and around during this time, and I'm just so jealous, and I wish I could like time travel and somehow be in the room with you guys in this moment while you're recording this album. But kind of take me back, if you can, as best as you can, help me time travel and come in the studio, the making of Street Songs. Making the Street Songs. We was doing that album and also the Stone City Band's second album, which was Bad Boys of Lump. Um Mm-hmm. Uh, Boys Are Back album. Yeah. And we recorded both of those albums at the same time, back to back. We had just ended a tour. You know, we had been together for about uh, five months steadily mm-hmm. on tour. And then we went straight into rehearsal. And at that time, we were getting on each other's nerves. <laughs> 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 we. The, the Makings of Street Songs album, I think, was the Hatred album <laughs> because we couldn't wait to get away from one another. <laughs> we needed some peace of mind. So it was like a, a angry, aggressive type album that we did. And we went in and we put our all in all into it because it was very emotional, you know. And each song, you know, we had a, a special theme to it, you know, like Mr. Policeman, yep. talking about the brutality and the changes he's going through and, you know, going through with the cops. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Fire and Desire. He needed a, a love ballad, and he wanted it to be a special love ballad that everyone will remember from now on, mm-hmm. which it began. <laughs> it's one of the top top ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, Give It To Me Baby, he just wanted a danceable song to have everybody on the dance floor grooving, you know, and that he could take it in and go different directions with it, you know. And it had its little, you know, play on words, you know, here and there, just like Mary Jane was a play on words. Everybody thought yeah. he was singing about a girl, but, you know, yeah. he was really singing about. Oh, yeah. So, and this one, Give It To Me Baby, is his, you know, affair. Yeah. You know, it, it could be taken either way, you know. And the other tune, Super Freak, was uh, really a, a throwaway song that we needed. We needed one more song on the album, and he came up with that. I mean, uh, no way. Tom and Oscar, yeah, they was in the back room or rehearsal room part of the studio, and they came up with a riff. And the next day we came into the studio and we laid down the track. That was super freak. Wow. You know? The, throw, mm-hmm. the throwaway is <laughs> super yes, freak. That, being the biggest that's crazy. On the album. Yeah, and it was redone by MC Hammer. I'm not, yeah. not, not a fan yeah. of that personally, but um, <laughs> I, I would have rather it not been touched. But uh, yeah, um, definitely one of my, definitely if I came up with the list of top 10 favorite albums of all time, Street Songs, easily in there, probably even top five, to be honest with you, just all the way through, just cuts yeah. all the way down. So this is, I'm glad you mentioned this because this was in Tales from the Tour Bus. So you guys were getting heckled a lot by the cops. Now, obviously, Rick James was very, very open about his love for the reefer. And uh, right. co- cops didn't um, 
so cops and obviously it's a little bit different today like i went i don't know if you know wiz khalifa is but i went to yeah yeah i went to wiz khalifa concert a couple weeks ago and things are like obviously so different now like you can literally almost walk in a concert and smoke a joint on the way in so like it's a little Mm -hmm. bit a little bit different now but like how was that you know like obviously he was open about that but like what how did cops approach him it's like you know he's doing it so like why even bother him with it so like how did that even transpire yeah, well, they knew better than to stop him before a show or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, because that would instantly start a riot. Right. You know, because right. people, people paid good money, and they wanted to see the band, Rick and the band. And so if the cops wanted to stop him, it would have been, you know, a, a lot, like a little riot going on. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was that's it nuts. was real strong, but uh, he he was very careful in what he did. You mm-hmm. know, during some of the concerts, the audience was throwing up joints on on the stage and everything, <laughs> and we had a, a person to gather up the joints on stage. But mm-hmm. Rick would never actually take one and smoke it. That's good. You, you, know? never, you never, know that. you yeah, never know what's in it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Anything could be in that. That's right. That joint that's thrown on stage. Yeah. So he was very <laughs> attentive on that end. Yeah, and I, I also I got a couple more for you here. So I wanted to before I promote obviously what the Stone City Band is doing now, um, uh, just I wanted to talk a little bit about Prince. Now I seen in the Tales from the Tour Bus, and I kind of knew this already, but in Tales from the Tour Bus it seemed a little bit more severe than I thought. So Prince. We got to get to Prince real quick. So was Prince okay. someone that, you know, how was their relationship? And because it, it almost seemed like in the tales from the tour bus, like they had a, almost like an envy for each other, almost like, you know, trying to outdo each other. How was their relationship? At the very beginning, that's what it looked like, you know, and uh, Prince was copying, mm-hmm. you know, he, he paid attention to Ricky. So, you know, Rick's deliverance. And then the next night he would come out and, Simulate the same thing, mm-hmm. and uh, so they bumped heads a little bit, but it was over as quick as it started. It was over with, and they became, you know, good friends after that. In fact, when we did the uh, Grammy Awards later on, Prince hung out with us the whole entire night. Oh wow! Yes, he hung with us all night long. So, so and, was it? Uh, you know that it was the media kept that going, you know, uh, and it was like a a seller, mm-hmm. you know, Prince versus the King of Funk, you know, that that was a, a big draw in itself, and people wanted to come and see the real deal. Absolutely, and you, mm-hmm. it was it was great, you know. He Prince was very different when he came out, mm-hmm. you know, just the look mm-hmm. of that whole scene was very different and when they started playing he came with confidence you know they they came out and they destroyed and they made us come out on stage and work that much harder <laughs> because you know he did his thing he, he looked did. strange to everybody yeah but, but he's, he was funky but the music he won, won him over he was funky yeah that's what Levi, yeah, I like how Levi put it he, he made was... us work hard every <laughs> night yeah, tells from the tour bus. So you guys were talking about your first impressions. It's like, who is this little? That was, that was so hilarious. Yeah, he was very short. You know, he he was 
blended into the audience and we couldn't see him. That was so you know, until he came right up on top of us. We said, Wow. <laughs> Who is this little guy? He is short. About to sign about you know, to sign an autograph for him and it's like, No, I'm Prince. <laughs> that's awesome yeah so obviously we're celebrating the legacy of the one and only rick james today so before i let yeah. you go i gotta i gotta know what you guys are up to today so what what is the stone city band up to today well we, we're still doing some dates around town and we got a few that's you know in the makings and we're currently in the studio you know coming up with some more songs we're gonna release a, a full cd by next year early next year Ooh. Uh, we have a single out now. You know, we did a remake of Funky Reggae. You know, it's on Spotify, Deezer, and Amazon. Um, we're we're um, writing a script for a, a TV movie. We're going to be involved in that. Ah. And we're getting some dates together for 2020 for the U.S., U.K., and Tokyo. By by chance, does that U.S. tour come to the Midwest at all? Yes, it will. We're gonna cover all corners. All right, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna yeah. have to keep track because uh, that's that's where I'm at. So as soon as you guys are in the Midwest, we'll have to keep track. I got you on Facebook now, so I'm very yeah. excited. I'm gonna continue to promote you guys absolutely as I see more things. I seen the Funky Reggae remake. I got to check it out, loving it. That's why I wanted to do this interview. You guys are still sounding great. Um, and I, that's, that's why I wanted to promote it, man. So I'm going to keep track and I want to, I want to catch up and I want to see you in the Midwest when you come. Okay. Don't forget about oh, me. Oh yeah. No problem. Hey, just stay in touch. We will let you know when we're going to be on your side of town. The band is still smoking hot. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on today and talking a little Rick James and Stone City band with me today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Be sure to keep up with the Music Vibes podcast with DC Hendrix presented by Neat 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 Records by subscribing on everywhere podcasts are available. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Radio Public, everywhere podcasts are available. Make us one of your favorites by subscribing and make sure to leave us a review and let me know what you guys are thinking of the Music Vibes podcast. That'll do it for this week. And until next week, everybody, be sure to spread some peace and love. by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.